The good news is that apparently Musa Diaby is very good looking, which I didn't have that on my radar. She pointed <laughs> that out. Jesus, and I, and I thought tonight was a shit show, but now that I found that out, now that I, I left work early to go back and watch fucking Warsaw Hammer Aston Villa, at least, that you're right, that is good news, at least we've now found out that at least one person thinks Musa Diaby is good looking. That, what, like, what a weight off my mind that is. Hi guys, Jack Greenish here, uh, delighted to say that I've signed a new deal. Which he accepted... With one proviso. Climb on to the left of me, chambers to the right, here I am stuck in the middle of a new contract. Poor Ezri Konza. What did he deserve? What did he do to deserve to be playing? What did he mind? do to deserve you writing that song about him? <laughs> I can hear it in the chat, in the stands now. I can hear it. Like, it seemed to be dropping everybody, giving everybody a break. Except Ezri Konza, except Bubakar Kamara. Look at Dean, probably still counts. And you know, for now, <laughs> you never know him. Well, look at Dean, give himself a fucking break. But anyway, go on. <laughs> Uh, this is the thing, right? My my prevailing thought from this. Well, well, I've got a lot. We're going to get into it, but this is the thing Villa are going to have to get used to. You know, in in the Conference League, everybody wants to beat Aston Villa. Aston Villa are the favourites to win it. Well, they were before tonight. They're the big team. They're going to be going to these. They've got a tough enough group. I text you when this group was announced. That just just with the three letters WTF. I didn't like it. I didn't like the look of it. And <laughs> not that I knew these teams. Well, I'd heard of the teams before. That's what was worrying. And like all, all these players are mad for it. They're going to get stuck into them. The fans are loving it. It's big results, big, big chance for these teams to have famous nights against Aston Villa. Like, and Villa haven't been in that position in a long time. Yeah, well, like, I think you might be right about that. I mean, this... The annoying thing is, this is what we fought, fought so hard for at the back end of last season as well. And, you know, the, <laughs> the, the, the eight wins and the two draws and the bounce, the recovery after a couple of bad defeats and the picking up seven points against Spurs, Liverpool and Brighton. And maybe that weight of anticipation or maybe that weight of expectation that you're talking about, or maybe just the fucking weight of perspiration on their shoulders was just too much for them tonight because, Jesus Christ, that was an evening of really bad decision-making on the ball. I mean, my God, have you ever seen more more hopeless balls just lofted over the top at a stage in the game when we really could... So, what, what the fuck? At the stage in the game, it's never a good idea to kick the ball away. Like I, I, I was playing a game of five aside last night and I actually had to say to somebody to stop kicking the ball to the opposition goalkeeper. I don't think it had to do it tonight. Like it... This lad said, we need to get it forward. We, think we need to have the ball forward. Are, are you playing for territory? We're playing five a side, mate. We're all forward. The pitch is 30 metres long. We need to figure out how to score. And, and this lad kept whinging that, that he was being left two on one at the back. And then my back was up as well because he was saying lads, plural, like you know, implicating all of us when it was just one lazy fucker. So I told him, yeah, you stood in the middle of the two of them like a spare dick and you got fucked. And he said he had they because there was two of them. I told him he didn't have to 
do that. He, he could have picked one of them for a start. Then he said, I used to be a League of Ireland defender. I know what I'm talking about. And then I said, that must be me picked up the habit of lumping the fucking ball back to the opposition. And Conan, I don't want to be coming on to this podcast ever again and comparing Yuri Tielemans to a former League of Ireland defender. But if he continues to play like that, I don't know if I'll be able to fucking avoid it. Sorry, go on further with that description. Yuri Tielemans to a League of Ireland defender during a five-a-side match. This <laughs> story, just to clarify, is about a five-a-side match that you had last night. Fucking pathetic. And to be honest, if Yuri Tielemans ever plays like that again, his biggest hope that I won't compare him to a fucking five-a-side former League of Ireland player is that I'll be distracted reading out some of the expletives in it. <laughs> the worst thing for Yuri Tillemans was that he was obviously being brought off and I don't know what happened with Bobakar Kamara that he just think fuck this get me out of there I'm injured I don't know Tillemans' name even got read out it wasn't just his number got held up his name got read out and then Kamara came off instead and he's there playing the last half an hour thinking uh, they didn't even want me on this bloody pitch <laughs> but like, yeah, it's funny you say that player saying lads because I remember must have been the, in the first year when I in work when I, I first had like people under me. I had a team of my own. I made a really bad mistake that I'll never make again. But instead of just addressing somebody, you know, when they had made the mistake and it was so clear that there was there was a weak link, I'd call a team meeting and talk about something that we should all be doing. And uh, you know, like what, like that's. I I would hate to be in that position myself, knowing like how insulting that is to everybody else, especially when everybody else, except the person who was actually causing the problem, everybody else knows why we're here and knows who we're here for. And I would have just solved a lot of problems by just going straight to that person. But based on the fucking interview that Yuri Tielemans gave over the international break, I'd be very surprised if he knows he was the problem tonight or a large part of the problem. He's probably coming off that thinking, I can't believe I'm not playing against Chelsea. You mentioned the shirts. Like, <laughs> I don't like repeating myself unless we're talking about fantasy football. <laughs> but this is. I sent a tweet out, and when I switched to my personal account to write to AVFC official on Twitter, you know it's serious. You know, I, I want them to know that this isn't a bit of crack. This is serious right now. And I'm like, and it was funny initially when we talked about it, but even then I was being serious. But I think Nick Carver sent us a message on Twitter saying <laughs> we had a song at the start of the show. He said, "Wear the shirts in Europe, you'll never sing that." <laughs> and like, this, it's crazy. Like, like the tweet I sent to Aston Villa was surely both the club and Castori, like especially Castori, can agree that this doesn't look good for anybody. Like, who, whose feelings are we trying to spare here by not broaching the subject? Everybody will win if we actually just have a conversation about it and change the jersey. It's 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 pathetic looking. It's it's ridiculous and it must like it can't just be an optical illusion. They 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 are drenched and that must be affecting the players. Like it's Jesus Christ Almighty! I've never seen anything like this. And the other thing is, we we've got a new crest on the jersey. We made that decision that we're going to have a crest on the jersey and try it out. And this is the sample we're getting out of this crest. He's broken jerseys for the whole season. Nobody's ever going to want to see that crest again. It's bad enough that we're we're two crest FC. We've got one crest for our social media platform. If we've got a crest outside the stadium, and then we've got this different crest on the shirt. But now this crest forever is going to be consigned into 
the state of that shirt. And honestly, if I was Castori, I wouldn't be put out by Villa saying, hi lads, your jersey shit. I would actually look at the picture and be like, Jesus Christ, I, Like this, this is not good advertisement for Castori. Do something about it. Yeah, imagine that was only the second worst song that's been on this podcast already. But, <laughs> and you need to get off Twitter as well too, Chris. <laughs> but I do agree with the overall, the overall tenant of what you're saying there, you know, when you strip away the fat. Like, we, if you have to... Like we were focused on changing our shirts at halftime when we should have been focused on changing the fucking players that were wearing the shirts. Like that was too much of a distraction. Imagine all players that were on the pitch had to change their fucking shirt at halftime. That's pathetic. That needs to stop. Yeah. There were a few goals in this match as well. It ended three <laughs> two <laughs> to Legia Legia, Legia, Warsaw. Uh the first one, I mean, like, the first two were sort of a carbon copy of each other, just at either side. I mean, let's, let's be honest, all three goals, Chambers was there to oversee them. <laughs> like he, was just, he was just there observing these goals happen. The first one is a, a a ball played in from the left. It gets played in around him, and look at Dean's cut napping at the other side, and it's put in. The second one is played in from look at Dean's side, and Chambers is cut napping at the other side. He goes in behind Konza. And it's put in. It's uh, it was Mucci's first goal, and then Mucci hits one through the legs of Callum Chambers in for to make a three-two. And yeah, none of them were really good. None of them were defended really well. I, I was listening to a bit of fantasy football content during the week, and they were just like, like a lot of the stuff that they talk about on those podcasts. They don't really know that much about football. That they are a bit, <laughs> they are a bit too embedded in the. In the stats, like a, one thing I've noticed on, on these podcasts, I'm listening to far too many of them to be honest, is that they they think it's a good thing that a player is getting a lot of chances, and they don't seem to judge that player for missing a lot of the chances. <laughs> like the normal football person would use how he's actually converting those chances or not converting them to actually make a decision on on this player or not, but they don't care. You know, Nicholas Jackson's getting a lot of chances, and like, yeah, he doesn't fucking score any of them, but um. Yeah, I've, I've lost my train of thought now. I'm just thinking about my fantasy football team. <laughs> it's like fucking Tetris closing your eyes and all you can see is the fucking shirts. But like, yeah, the the first goal, the shape was absolutely dreadful. I mean, they, they played through the midfield so easily. We lost the ball and we were fucking so wide open. A lot of that was to do with Yuri Tiedemann running around midfield, leaving it fucking as wide open as his mouth was during the international break. And then, yeah. <laughs> Dean continues his sparkling start to the season with yet another assist, just guiding Solik and at the back post. Fucking pathetic from him to lose his man so easily, especially when he knows that it's Callum Chambers and the ball obviously isn't going to be blocked down or right back. And then the fucking the second one, and you know, Dean continues his sparkling start to the season with yet another assist. Actually gets a bit unlucky with this one when it hits off the, his calf. But who would have thought that playing someone who can't run it right back would leave you susceptible to a quick counter-attack? And like, I talked about the decision-making on the ball, but the decision-making off the pitch as well coming into this game. I mean, what is Callum Chambers doing at right back in real life? Like We, we, can, all, we can all have a bit of laugh of the fact that you know Chambers scored a screamer and played an outrageous pass to continue once. But... He, there was a there was a moment there was a moment in the first half where he he pulled the ball out of the sky on the run over his shoulder and I was trying to think who that reminded me of 
And then I remembered it was Wes Houlihan at the Aviva in a friendly against Switzerland that happened just right in front of me. And then I was laughing at the idea that I had previously compared that Wes Houlihan touch to Zidane. So here I am, just two <laughs> steps between Callum Chambers and Zinedine Zidane on the same fucking night when there was literally two steps between Callum Chambers and Ernest fucking Mucci at all times. <laughs> Uh, I'm not trying to be annoying here. I remember what my fantasy football point was. <laughs> it was uh, what they were talking about on these podcasts was Aston Villa's high line. Get a Aston Villa going to play a high line and Raheem Sterling could have a lot of fun with that. Nicholas Jackson could get more chances and do nothing with him. <laughs> I, I know it's 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 an anomaly then with Callum Chambers at right back. Look at Dean Longley. I mean, Jesus, he he looks slow. I think I text you. When Villa signed him, and I was like, "Oh God, like this boy looks like the same height and weight as me." You know, I need some more specimens in there. <laughs> like, you know, I don't want, don't want looking average-looking person in there, and he might be as slow as me as well. That's that's the worry as well. But like, so I know the high line can't really be judged on that. But is, is that a worry? And like, I don't think it is. But like, just generally defensively, we don't look good. No, we don't look good at all. I mean, like, obviously we knew Tyrone Mings was going to be a big loss and then that is just completely compounded by the, the way that the way that Unai Emery wants to play. He wants to condense the pitch by pushing the back line up and if you don't have somebody as quick as Tyrone Mings on one side of your pitch, then you're going to be in big, big trouble. And then if you completely ruin the balance then as well by bringing Callum Chambers, sorry, correct the balance by bringing Callum Chambers into the right back position as well. So you've got absolutely no pace except for Esri Konza, then you're going to be fucked. And Warsaw knew that tonight and they absolutely exploited it. Yeah. Konza showed unbelievable recovery speed at one stage for a ball that he gave away. Uh, but Mucci Kanza just played this awful pass into midfield. We, we were playing them all night into midfield from midfield into number 10 into nobody. And Mucci just burned him because Kanza was completely flat footed because he just played the pass. And I couldn't believe that he got back and just ushered him out of the way and poked the ball back to Martinez. It was crazy acceleration that he was able to let, watch him go seven meters away from him and still get up the speed and get back in such a short sp- space. Yeah, the most remarkable thing about that was I don't think Konza was actually going at full speed either. He didn't look like he was really putting on the afterburners because he was obviously worried about just getting skinned in the box end. So he was always just staying on his foot. It seemed yeah. like he caught up and then just glided alongside him. It was, yeah, it was remarkable. We had two goals of our own. The first one was a bit of Zaniolo magic. And then he just unleashed a shot, bit of Jordan Pickford goalkeeping, tipped it off the crossbar. And then John Duran... I think we talked about this guy's stats before, before the Crystal Palace match. The amount of minutes he's getting and the amount of goals he's scoring is is frightening. <laughs> like, there's there's almost a case to play him because he, he just keeps scoring goals. Of course there's a case to play him because the other lad doesn't score at all. But <laughs> it's, it is, it's really hard to understand from this whose body shape was stranger, the keeper or Duran. Yeah. <laughs> For for a moment, I thought Duran was trying to box jump over the ball. <laughs> like he ended up he ended up doing an impression of the of his captain heading up with the top of his head. He got up so high and he could he had to adjust his body really awkwardly, and that actually ended up making it a really good header because of how fucking bonkers his body position was by the time he got up there. <laughs> Duran should have had a penalty as well. He had a really nice turn. Leon Bailey squared it into him. He let the ball come across his body, turned the defender. 
like he would have scored, but he's just been pulled back anywhere else. He's getting a free throw. He gets a shot away anyway, and the keeper saved it. But he only he got he got a bad shot away because he was being pulled away from the ball that he had let go around him and the defender. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those ones. Once you get the shot away, the, the ref kind of lets it go. You can foul anybody so long as they're shooting, which is the most <laughs> bonkers thing in the world. The Luca Dean, like I thought he scored a screamer. I was and and I was sort of sitting there smirking, thinking. I knew we would score another screamer, you know. I was thinking about the John Duran goal, Crystal Palace, and I had a feeling they would score a screamer here. I thought he just caught it so well. I thought it was Patrice Evra against Bayern Munich stuff. But uh, it all started with a John McGinn side-footed effort, the most tame effort you can imagine from the edge of the box. I think I think this podcast has gotten inside this lad's head. You know, the, the, <laughs> the fines for the John McGinn shots. Well, what is he doing? Caressing a, a little ball sitting up from this is John McGinn who got that ball a, a volley from the outside of his boot against Sheffield Wednesday was it connected with it better than I've ever seen a ball connected with top of the outside of his boot comes cuts across the ball and drills in and off the, the, the top corner crossbar and now he's trying a little side footed effort it ended up going out to look at Dean and we scored anyway but come on John like he might get fined every so often but just just let it go sometimes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can't keep this look at Dean La quiet though, can you? Yet another assist just picks out Zolik's back and lets him <laughs> do the rest, really. Yeah, initially it looked like an absolute screamer, but it wasn't. John McGinn, it was dreadful. And you can only imagine what I was saying to the wall at that stage. <laughs> I have a couple of awards. Not going to do the official award categories like we normally do on Thursday night on Conference League nights, where we'll keep a tighter podcast and we'll keep the top of the show a bit more, a bit more fluid. We can we can go wherever we want to the top of the show. We might get some WhatsApp winges in there as well. But the I suppose the Paul the Paul Merson off oh, that was filthy award. It's like it's sort of inconsequential moment now. But Longley played a, a ball out to Zaniolo's head down the left wing and the. He got it inside. He controlled it with his head, and he got it inside to Telemans with a sort of, sort of overhead kick into him. And then Telemans played as half volley forward, right down the left wing, and Zaniolo's pace to get up there and, and win that ball again. It was really nice bit of movement from him. But what I was thinking about him is, how many noses do you think he busts at training every week? <laughs> just, he's just rough, isn't he? He's, he's, he's is sort of awkward. I, I don't mean on the ball. If his body, he's all legs, he's all arms. He's, I'd say his elbow just gets up in people's faces so often. I say his shoulders, his knees, he jumps in. He's, he's, he's sort of full-hearted as well. I'd say he probably annoys a lot of people at training because he's, he's just banging into them a bit too much. Ah, uh, yeah, this lad will definitely be sent off this season. Um, <laughs> he's, he was very lucky not to get sent off today where he jumped into the guy, pulled his leg away just at the right time, but it was probably a bit wild and probably worthy of a yellow card. I think the ref the ref was being fairly sound on him there. Um, but even the one where, where he, the one you're talking about, when he won it back down the wing, the way he jumped in was so bizarre. It's like he just jumped in front of the guy. I'm not even sure how it was like a glitch in a computer game. I'm not even sure how he ended up with the ball at his feet. It was bonkers. I, I, I'd try to pull back from nominating him for the Paul Merson Award as much as you can, to be honest, Conor, because this lad looks like he's trying to win it every time he gets the fucking ball. <laughs> and 
there was one moment in the first half where he just he let the ball run through his legs and I can only assume the only thing that was running through his mind was a fucking hamster on a wheel because there wasn't an Aston Villa player in 40 yards where that ball ended yeah. up and he turned around and looked surprised by that fact as well. I think he should know, he should at least know where they are and then think, oh, I can't believe he hasn't come to the ball. But he looked around completely lost. So he didn't even check. He just let the ball go under his legs yeah. and hoped that there was an Aston Villa player there. <laughs> Don't be encouraging that, Colin. <laughs> The Charles and Zogby get your head up award. <laughs> Leon Bailey had a shot. Do you remember the one with his left foot and he was trying to whip it round the defender and into the far corner? It was just never. Like, we, we could see it from behind Leon Bailey and not once was it coming in. It was never going in. He, he tried that old trick of, oh, that was so close because he knew the camera going on. He had two players inside. <laughs> we could have rolled it inside and like I know you're probably watching uh Welcome to Wrexham on Disney Plus as well as I am. But there was an interesting conversation at halftime. Paul Mullen, everyone's favourite. It was clear that he, he should have looked up and, and played the ball inside as well. But I think because he's he's the top player, he just sort of backed himself and went for it. But he said his excuse for all and just telling the guy to fuck off, which he should have done. He said, Have you never not seen a pass before? And then I was thinking, oh, I don't like this. I don't like players pulling that one out. And this is sort of going to be the the genesis of this award, really. Like these players pretending like they didn't see the pass. Leon Bailey definitely would have seen those passes. <laughs> I don't know. Like you said, we could see that from behind Leon Bailey. I love to see the world from behind Leon Bailey's eyes sometimes because that might give me a, a bit of perspective into what the fuck is going through this lad's head sometimes. That was bonkers. It was never on. I mean, if he gets if that ball ends up on target, it's hitting the defender. He's standing right in front of him. It was an impossible angle. And he's falling over when he's hitting it as well. Yeah. Only one winner for this though with Yuri Tillemans at the very end. We should bloody win the match or draw the match. <laughs> And it would have taken a point. It would have bitten your hand off for that performance. But Leon Bailey actually does well. Initially, I was like, why is he not shooting? And then you saw the replay back. He was right to mm. pull it away on, and then and get a tame enough shot away. But he got it away from the tackle. And it rolled kindly to Tillemans. And then Watkins is just inside, two yards out. That's his bread and butter. <laughs> just put it across to him. He'll bang into it. And Tillemans just went for the shot himself. And he misses at the near post as well. Doesn't like doesn't even make a save. Doesn't pull it across the keeper. Just just hits it wide, and it's game over. We lose the match. It's absolutely amazing from uh, from Leon Bailey. Like it's that's definitely the Paul Merson. Oh, that was just filthy award winner there. Unfortunately, the shot was just filthy. It was just disgusting. <laughs> and but like as we said at the top of the show, sure Yuri Tielemans thought he was just playing for territory. He's just fucking getting that ball up the pitch as far and as fucking quickly as he could. So he just smashed the ball when it came to him. Yeah. Absolutely balled it. One more before we take a break. Watkins not being on penalties has taken away an easy few goals for him. And has it? <laughs> and therefore a confidence boost. <laughs> has it? <laughs> like I'm thinking I, I, I wouldn't want them taking that penalty against Crystal Palace. Okay, we can all agree with that. One each. It's 98 <laughs> minutes on the clock. Give the ball to Douglas Louise. But uh, Everton Give him the penalty. Hibernian. Give him the only team he scored against this year. <laughs> Give him the penalty. I feel like we've just... We could have had a 
Watkins is going to start scoring goals at some stage again this season. I firmly believe that. <laughs> I keep saying it. But yeah, we, we've, like, I feel like we could have had a shortcut to that success or to that avenue. Because right now, see the one that uh, look at Dean? Look at Dean playing him a really nice pass, actually, first time. And Watkins, only afterwards, I think he really realized he was in, but his touch was awful. Just got away from him, went to the keeper. And then you can tell, you can tell he's thinking, nah, that was shite, that was a chance. If I had to touch that property, I was in. And he's shaking his head, thinking, and he's in that sort of groove now where, ah, it's, it's not going for me. Nothing's going for me. Tillman is just not passing the ball across for a two-yard pass. I give him a penalty, and he'll... he'll yeah. I give him a couple of penalties, and he'll score one. That sounds exactly like the type of player you want standing over a penalty. A lot of he's thinking, I'm shite. They all think I'm shite. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> give, definitely give him the penalties, Conor. Last time we saw Ollie Watkins take a penalty, was it against Liverpool? And you know who else? You know who else saw that penalty? Was the Stuart behind the goal at Anfield, and he was sitting. He was sitting about a yard from the post, and he had a little cheeky glance over his shoulder when he should have been watching the crowd. But that's fair enough. You know, we're all we're all going to do that if we're a steward of the game. And he could see the ball coming towards him, and he didn't react. And that was for one of two reasons. Either, either he simply could not believe that the ball was going that far wide from the post. That he just could, he could, from a dead ball, he couldn't possibly believe that this was really happening. That he didn't ball or react until he must have thought he was hallucinating. It was either that or, which was the most baffling thing about this penalty, he didn't care if the ball hit him because it was moving so fucking slowly <laughs> that it was irrelevant. Just let it hit him and maybe that'll convince his bosses <laughs> that he wasn't actually watching the match. Let that ball hit you in the back, pal. It's grand. You look like you're doing a great job keeping an eye on the crowd because that really was the strangest thing about it. Ollie Watkins rolled the ball, rolled it wide from a penalty by about a yard. <laughs> I take your point. <laughs> Let's take a quick break and we'll come back after this. My mind's telling me no. This is what makes Big Bear DT so hard to resist. But my body, my body's telling me yes, baby. He's like a lovely big sloppy bacon cheeseburger. You know that ultimately he's really bad for you, but my god, is he delicious. Big Bertie Bertie, Bertie, so hard to resist. resist. Too hard to resist. But what do you say about the people here now saying it's time to go on a diet? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, is it worth it? It might sate my appetite for a while, but I'm only looking worse. My skin's breaking out in spots. My waistline's getting a bit out of control, and overall, it's not the best thing for me. So hard to resist. So hard to resist. It's very enjoyable eating the burger. My God, is he delicious? My God, too hard to resist. Lovely big sloppy bacon cheeseburger. Bertrand Chirori. Bertrand Chirori. A moment on the lips, forever on the hips. <laughs> Would you sign that player just in case award? And there is only one place to start tonight. 
Ernest Mucci come on. <laughs> <laughs> this is the classic. Would you sign him just in case? Never heard of him before tonight. Saw him tonight and he looked absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Callum Chambers apart. He ripped Lucadina apart. He ripped Clement Longley apart. He ripped Aston Villa apart. Scored two nice goals. Really fast. Really buzzing around. Could not believe they were taking him off after 70 minutes. I was like, why, why are they pitying us? Why are they taking him off? <laughs> need him on the pitch anymore. 22 years of age. Albanian. Getting loads of games under his belt for such a young player. Um, yeah, he's been at Lazio Warsaw now. This is his fourth season. He scored two goals in the league in the first five games. This could be his best season yet. He'd want to be because his most goals he scored in the league so far is five. So he's going to need to get his returns in a bit closer to John Duran numbers for me to really uh. <laughs> But I like him. Yeah, and we know we can defend as well because he was able to keep our number 10 really quiet from his right-back position tonight as well. <laughs> like, there was a moment, there was one stage there in the first half as well where Esri Konza didn't seem to realise that you can pass the ball to yourself and remain onside. But luckily, fucking Mucci also... Uh, foiled himself as he got past Conzan into the box but the, like he, he did look absolutely electric but I think a lot of that was down to Callum Chambers and I'm going to see a bigger sample size and a completely different sample as well than just playing against Callum Chambers the big worry of course would be that you'd sign him and then a training he'd play against Callum Chambers every week and then all of a sudden he'd have to play against a right back in the Premier League <laughs> I've got two more nominations for the would you sign that player just in case award one of them, and I'm only half joking, is Jesse Lingard. Fucking hell. <laughs> I, saw, I saw pictures of him training at West Ham, and he, he did look out of shape. And I know we've said before, don't, don't sign players here at that stage in their career in terms of not playing. But just in case <laughs> West Ham could benefit from this and West Ham are our rivals they're in the Europa League proper this year I don't know would you not just like if, if he was showing any sort of flash get somebody keeping an eye on him and training and, and, and pluck him from their grasp the only thing at Jesse Lingard's I'd sign is his fucking death warrant I mean Jesus Christ <laughs> I wouldn't sign Jesse Lingard's cast if we were sitting next to each other in primary school. Fuck that. Like, put me in detention for bullying him. I am not signing Jesse Lingard. I'd actually stop supporting Aston Villa if we went anywhere near Jesse Lingard. <laughs> Jesse Lingard is finished, Connor. What the fuck are you talking about? He had Jesse Lingard is the classic type of player who was always shit. And he just happened to be at Man United, so people just didn't couldn't accept it. It happened with another player, famously at centre half, but people just could not accept that this player was shit because he was at Man United for so long. He didn't start playing for Man United until he was twenty four. That's because he's shit. He was there since he was fucking eight. Why do you think it took him sixteen years to break into the team? It's not because it's not because he was young, Connor. He definitely wasn't fucking young. It's because he was shit. And some players who are at the Premier League level will eventually have either a season or in Jesse Lingard's case 15 games of good form and then everybody will just forget about the fact that a career lasts 15 years not fucking 15 games and they'll just decide that he's good all of a sudden fucking uh, bonkers it's actually a really good point you make because uh, I was just thinking about West Ham getting the West Ham Jesse Lingard again 9 goals in 16 games and I completely forgot that he played for Nottingham Forest last year <laughs> 
and <laughs> he played 17 league games, one more, and scored no goals. Uh, 31 December. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll cool that. So I've given you a choice between Mucci and Lingard. You're going with Mucci. Let me see if I can if I can tempt you with the last one. If this last one will be higher up the pecking order than Mucci in terms of signing them. I'm Warrell Gazi. Are you are you worried about Dougie getting injured? Is that what the whole the whole Watkins penalty discussion was really about? He just missed the warm embrace of Anwar El Ghazi standing over a penalty kick. He's never missed a penalty kick. Like there is, it probably is in my mind. Subliminal, it probably is somewhere in there. He's only twenty eight. I thought he was doing well. At PSV, obviously, I didn't watch any. Didn't watch one match, but I thought the reports were were good. I mean, stats were all right as well, but they seemed to just, like part ways, like by mutual consent. Then suddenly United are looking for him. That's not a good endorsement. I know that, but <laughs> but it did make me think again, like the Lingard thing, only because we've got a bit more ownership over El Ghazi and definitely he's got a bit more ownership over our hearts. So it's like, well, well, somebody else is going to sign him. Why don't we just get him, just just in case, again, just in case. Yeah, like it, it is a big worry that that Amor El Ghazi will improve our rival for for the Europa League place in Man United because he's definitely an upgrade on the wingers that they currently have there. I mean, Jesus Christ, forget before Jaden Sancho decided to retire. I mean, Amor El Ghazi was already a better footballer, and nobody actually knows what Jaden Sancho brings to a football. <laughs> he hasn't played well in two years, and people are still waiting for him to explode onto the scene. Jaden Sancho was a player who was formerly electric and now he's getting into the peak years of a player of his ilk and people are still saying he's young, he's not, he's peaking and he's probably fucking got there already. Jaden Sancho's probably finished as a footballer and we at least know what Anwar El Ghazi brings to a football pitch. He brings a cool head in front of the goal from 12 yards out with the hand between him and the goalkeeper. <laughs> All right. News I hope Liam has missed. Have you seen Mesut Ozil's Champions League 2023-2024 dream team? (laughs) (laughs) He put it out out on his Twitter account and it is a sight to behold. The funny thing about this, I was watching the game tonight with my my now wife and I was explaining European football to her because she understands the Premier League. She she was watching the Wrexham documentary. She understands that Wrexham are in the fifth tier and then she, she actually asked me during that game, are Villa in the Premier League? I was like, yes, we're Villa are good. I keep telling you this. But um, so I was explaining European football and then I had to explain the tiers within European football. And then she was asking, you know, which countries would be the strongest. I was like, definitely England. You know, even though I'm from Ireland, taking that pride in English football, just be like, oh, no, England's by far the best league, by far the strongest teams. And then I was explaining to her, you know, how they're obviously good teams from other countries but you know, if, you, if you go deeper into those countries you're not as strong and I, I made the remark there are teams in the Champions League if Villa were in there they would be hammering them but Villa won't be in the Champions League because they can't get in because England's too strong and as I was saying Villa would be hammering them they're getting hammered by Warsaw they're, getting, <laughs> <laughs> they're actually getting destroyed they completely outplayed defensively and in attack in the Conference League but I still stand by it the good news is that apparently Moussa Diaby is very good looking, which I didn't have that on my radar. She pointed that out. Jesus, and I, and I thought tonight was a shit show, but now that I found that out, now that I, I left work early to go back and watch fucking Warsaw hammer Aston Villa, at least 
That you're right. That is good news. At least we've now found out that at least one person thinks Musa Diaby is good looking. That, what like what a weight off my mind that is. I'm actually I was actually worried about being able to get to sleep tonight, just lying there thinking about what is JJ doing coming across that ball so much? He could have just slotted that into the corner. What is Yuri Tielemans doing banging that into the side netting? That is fucking bonkers. Should I have told that lad I can see where he picked up his fucking lump in the ball forward? No, not in the five-a-side match. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put, put your mind at ease for that one anyway. That, that's a no. But yeah, but like, see, people like you have been banging on about Pau Torres and Alex Moreno and Diego Carlos, and I've been going on about Mings <laughs> and Watkins, and Musa Diaby just escaped me grasp. And I, w- I said to her, "That's that's great, you know, he's really good footballer, so I can accept that." I hate when somebody points out that there's a good looking footballer and, and he's shite. You know, somebody had a said to you tonight, "Oh, Callum Chambers is really good looking," you'd be like, oh, "Shut up." Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not. Not in this context. Not in this world. But Musa Diaby, it all works. It right, all works. go on. Like, do you want to talk about fucking suits or something here? Like, that's so desperate again. No, we're going to talk about Mesodosis. <laughs> it's not even fantasy football. It's his dream team. It's Mesodosis Champions League dream team. Manuel Neuer hasn't played for. <laughs> hasn't played for Bayern Munich in what two years? Ruben Diaz, Sergio Ramos, and Antonio <laughs> Rudiger. He's gone with a 3 3 4 formation. <laughs> Kamavinga, Rodri, Rakitic. <laughs> but Kai Osaka and Leroy Sani playing off Killian Mbappe and Erling Haaland. Wow. Wow. <laughs> What's this segment called? News I hope Liam missed. It sounds like fucking football seasons Masaruzo has missed. As in the last fucking three seasons. The fuck has he got on about? And the, 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 they didn't even name a player that played in his position there. Masaruzo no, doesn't make that team. But what's, what's he got? People from the champions of Europe. And then the teams he's played for. Arsenal, Madrid, Germany. And then the best player in the world thrown on as well. What is the point of this? <laughs> Racket? Oh, he probably played for Racket. Wolf Racket hits in Germany. But yeah, what is the point of this team? What if, what, did someone ask him to do this? Was he on like was he on with Rio Ferdinand? No, he just tweeted it. He's just having a bit of fun on his ex account. <laughs> <laughs> and let's be honest, we've all had a lot of fun looking at it. Manuel Neuer was burning. Like, it's the fact that he clarified. Initially, I was looking at this thinking, is this... This is all-time Champions League team, and that didn't make it any better when I realised it wasn't. Because I had to check. Like, is not your plan yet? And he's not. Anyway, we're going to go to the final section of tonight. It is the TVP question box. So every Thursday night or every midweek podcast that we do, we'll do a question box the day before on Instagram. So follow us on Instagram if you're not already doing so we got loads of questions again so i always appreciate when they come in and they're always a bit of crack as well even the ones where is it now there's actually loads here that i'm trying to skim through this one came in and said if if legia warsaw was norwich how would you pronounce it norwich <laughs> yeah norwich exactly although i pronounce it warsaw and just leave it at that uh, okay first one from tommy three current managers you would open a small homemade bakery with <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, is this is brilliant. Well, 
Una, Una Emery has plenty of egg, egg on his face tonight, doesn't he? Oh. So, uh... oh, I thought you were going to go with Una Emery. I was thinking that's the first manager I was going for. Yeah, then maybe maybe Ten Hag and Pep Guardiola as well, because you'd save a fortune on hairnets. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't committed to yourself to this project. Like <laughs> I thought you and I, Emery, because I was thinking it would be so diligent. It would it reminded me of the Bear program of Nobody's Watched. It's very good. And, you know, it's basically whatever the equivalent is in America. Michelin star chef. The equivalent's probably Michelin star, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> you know, but he's, he's now running a small downtown beat-up joint. But he's given his all. He wants it to be really good. And you and I, Emery, would do that as well for the small homemade bakery, I feel. <laughs> Both an odd way and an odd time to praise on Emery, I would say, Connor. <laughs> Next up, I've got. For some reason, I couldn't get Frank Lampard out of my head. Oh, we're, st- we're still in the background. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to surprise you. The third one was Mikel Arteta. I just feel like I've got three people there who would really care about this project, no matter how small or big it is. And what, what do you think Frank Lampard's bringing to the table? A bit of showmanship, contacts, he'd have the right, he'd know the right people, he'd have famous people around, he'd, he'd know how to unlock a bit of money for me, I feel like, he, and he would be he wouldn't be afraid to ask for it, wouldn't be afraid to show off the bakery and talk it up as well, when I, and I'd be thinking, ah, it's not that good, I don't want to push it too much, I feel like he wouldn't be afraid of self-promotion. I don't know how you. I don't know how you'd be afraid to push this bakery, Conor. I mean, you've got Frank Lampard, Mikel Arteta, and Unai Emery for some reason baking cakes. How could you not promote this? This this has got winner written all over it. I mean, why why would you be shy about that, pal? You get out there. You get out there and you flaunt this. Uh, Thomas Knight asks us, which out of the two of you has the best fantasy team? <laughs> I will say one thing, and I know I've been threatening for weeks to offload Watkins. I still haven't done it, and I, I won't be doing it. Still. I, don't know, I don't know what that is. Now, in fairness, he's, he's not my weakest link. He's, he's consistently scoring with getting me assist points every week. But I, I'm just I'm waiting for him to score. Like I say, he's going to score at some stage, and I don't want to miss it when he does. Yeah, that sounds like a really good approach. I mean, as a, as a, as a fantasy football aficionado like as i am you know that sounds like a good approach just to keep a player in there who you're just waiting to score every week just week <laughs> after week just letting the time go by you say you're threatening to take, who do you think you're threatening who do you think you're talking to about fantasy football not you anyway that's for sure <laughs> who's a better three at the back this one comes from the magician <laughs> mcgrath southgate and ugu Ehiog. Or Mings, Kanza, and Pau Torres. I mean, I think you could have you could have literally named anybody with Paul McGrath. I mean, Paul McGrath is the most underrated player of all time, and I genuinely mean that. I mean that in the same way. Whenever I say, whenever I say, Iker Casillas is the most overrated player of all time. Obviously, Iker Casillas was a go- good goalkeeper, but the idea that he's one of the greats is absolutely bonkers. He wasn't that fucking good. Um. Paul McGrath, everybody knows he was good, but people don't realise that he's actually the best centre-half in the, in the Premier League's history. People don't realise just how fucking magical a footballer he was. I mean, I would I would go for... I would go for Paul McGrath, Bednarak, and Engels 
ahead of fucking any other free centre halves that you could you could think of there, Connor. I would I would take angles and the ten million that Royal Antwerp would give us to get rid of him and fucking Benderak and play them next to Paul McGrath tomorrow, if you would let me. <laughs> From Riley, would you induce the players' injuries to yourself if it meant they could play? I would like to know who he's talking about. You know, which which injuries? Like which which players? It's not it's not injury specific. I mean player specific. If it's Jacob Ramsey's injury, give it to me. Get that lad out there. And that's because A, I want to see Jacob Ramsey out there. B, I don't want Jacob Ramsey to feel any pain ever. And C <laughs> C and probably most importantly, I can trust that Jacob Ramsey is actually genuinely injured. I, I honestly I, I, I have a, I have an awful problem. I keep it to myself a lot of the time. And so it's bad, and it's going to be very bad. I, I did a bit of coaching in the past, and I will again in the future. But it, 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 it's, when somebody tells me they're injured, I, I immediately don't believe them internally. And I always treat them with kindness and love and compassion. Then when somebody tells me they're sick at work, you know, it's just like, yeah, you know, I've, t- I've taken a day off as well. <laughs> but I don't believe it. I don't believe that you couldn't get yourself out there and play. But when Jacob Ramsey has a broken foot, then I believe it. <laughs> but when Jacob Ramsey's injured in any way, I'm going to believe it. So, you know, I want to see who the player we're talking about is. If somebody's coming and they're flaky and you tell me they got an injury, nah, they can keep that injury. They, they want that injury. People are going to think I've just been doing an incredible impersonation of you for the last five minutes there, talking about Jacob Ramsey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. It's which player and which injury, I think, is the, is the real crux of this question. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take a broken fingernail to allow Robin Olsen to play. Although I would imagine, I would imagine if he was given a thorough medical examination, we'd find that he's got a lot more wrong with him, probably arthritis. <laughs> the last one comes from Paul. What did you have for dinner at the wedding? This could be the last wedding-related TVP question box. So I thought I'd throw it in there. I thought I'd milk it one last time. I still have the tape on the, the ribbons that you and your wife put on my car. I still have them on the car three weeks later. I was up at the train station today at rush hour and people were coming out of the train station looking at me in a tracksuit on my own sitting in the car. <laughs> <laughs> Listening to a fantasy football podcast. <laughs> Genuinely. Um, what did I have for dinner at the wedding? I don't even remember. I think it was turkey and ham, wasn't it? Something, something like that. I remember it was a lot of food and as I was eating the starter, thinking jesus it's all soup to come and then a turkey and ham dinner uh yeah i remember struggling with that concept yeah it was definitely a lot of food and it was it was it was definitely a great night connor and you keep celebrating you leave those ribbons on the car until you eventually get pulled over by the guards who try to who have assumed that you've stolen a car from a wedding party that's currently going on when you're dressed in the tracksuit and listening to a fucking fantasy football podcast <laughs> outside a train station <laughs> All right, that's everything we had for you for tonight. show went on a bit longer than I thought, actually, but who knew that we were going to get some back conversation from me about fantasy football? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I got too excited. Maybe I was enjoying it too much. Thanks again for listening. We're going to be back on Sunday, so leave a review or whatever, and we'll chat to you on Sunday. All the best. That wind is calling my name, and I-